Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Okay, here we go. I'll tell you what I want to do in this episode. I want to begin by making some comments about the border, because I know that that's sort of in the news uh, and continues to be a very dangerous and real thing. And unfortunately, it's not as good as some people are claiming. They're saying, oh, look, the National Guard's here to save the day. Well, it turns out that's not really the case. I'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, I'll tell you what else I have here. I've got plenty of audio to play. Um, I've got some education-related things as well, including some follow-ups regarding some local stuff here at the local uh, local school district where I live and, and some school board-related things. I'll refresh everybody's memory on on what's going on with that and what happened this past Thursday during their first board meeting of the new year. It was ridiculous. I also want to bring up uh, some some audio here, I think, from, from the Oxford, Michigan board meeting, which was recent also last week, if memory serves, just a couple of days ago. And uh, the Crumbly trial for, for Ethan Crumbly's parents is going to take place here in the near future, from my understanding. And apparently, the actual video of the shooting in that high school is now admissible as evidence in court and will be shown in court. So people will actually get to see that shooting take place. Again, I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing. Of course, it's horrific. But at the exact same time, it's actual evidence of an actual shooting. You know, unlike the other things that have taken place, allegedly, that are, of course, are all fake. That uh, you know the the dumb and gullible will say just blindly believe because you know their idiot box says so. It really is beyond ridiculous. And again, the crumbly parents being in jail now for upwards of two years, I think, is also an abomination. But like I've said before, when that trial takes place, I'll do my best to cover as much of that as I can. Uh, let's see, disease X. Have you heard about this? Yikes. We're going to cover this briefly and, and all of this propaganda nonsense. I've got some audio to play with that as well. And I've got some Deborah Burke's audio to play also. I played her, her audio that you're going to hear on this show on the past war videos, uh, one of them in particular toward the end, where she just lies through her teeth. And she looks remarkably nervous as she's making up this giant fairy tale about viruses and now, now how all the jabbed have AIDS. And we have to treat this just like HIV because they have dwindling immune systems. She, of course, blames this on quote-unquote COVID, but as we know, it's not. It's shot-induced. And then I have some, uh, some William Mackis, Dr. Mackis headlines that I want to read also. I've got a few other things also, a couple of stories to tell as well. So let me just dive in here and, and we'll get started. First of all, the border. Okay. There, of course, is this rampant story going around that, well, you know, the National Guard is taking over at Texas, and they're turning them away, and they're arresting and then deporting all of these illegals, and that's what's happening. Trust us, we're the Texas government. That's not happening. It's just not. There's endless footage of these Border Patrol agents walking illegals past the National Guard, and then they put them in a van, and then they drive away. Now, I know that, again, the particular video clip, rather, that has made the rounds, certainly on all the news channels, is the one that's showing these feds show up at the border in this particular location, and then they encounter the, uh, you know, the National Guard individuals, and then the National Guard turns their SUVs around, and, and they drive away. 
again, I fully understand that that footage was making the rounds and everybody's like, oh, look, again, you know, the good guys are here. The good guys are here. They're turning the bad federal agents away. Look, I, I frankly don't trust anything that's going on at the border whatsoever. I don't trust, I don't trust Greg Abbott. Do you? Do we all of a sudden revert back to trusting this guy? Oh, this guy now says, after all of these years of having the actual legal authority to put the National Guard at the border instead of Border Patrol agents and keep these individuals who are fully illegal out of our country. I mean, he could have done that from day one, but are we now just supposed to trust him again? Is everybody just reverting back to trusting government? This again is how slippery the line is between being in the matrix and being in the real world. Just because, again, something shows up on Fox News and just because, again, something, you know, gets spoken about at a particular Iowa speech that anybody can give and they say, oh, look, you know, now they're finally handling things at the border. Are we just supposed to believe that now? Again, Donald Trump keeps saying our border is a mess, our border is a mess. He's not saying, oh, look, our border is getting fixed. Hooray. He's not saying that. He's saying it's consistently a problem. It's still a problem. Of course it is. Of course it is. We can't expect the National Guard to show up, create a human wall, and then all of a sudden keep everybody out. Again, I saw another clip. You know, they're saying, oh, look, now the National Guard has plastic shields that they're bringing at the border and they have new barbed wire fence. Oh, hooray, the barbed wire fence is back up. They're still getting through. They're still getting through. They're still walking through. I saw a video again of all of what I just described, and then uh, you know a man and a woman who are illegal slip their way past the National Guard, and they're not slipping their way past, they're just climbing up this cliff, and then they're walking through, and the National Guard's letting them walk right through. And they have giant smiles on their faces, and they're like, yeah, we made it. We're, we're through. We're past. That means you know it's a free ride from here on out. I think my overall point is, is don't believe the first piece of news that comes out. I mean, you're going to know, and we're all going to know, when the real thing and the right thing is happening, because all the citizen journalists are going to be out there with their phones. They're all going to be recording all of this. There's already whistleblowers saying, look, all of this stuff at the border isn't what you think it is. It's far worse. The National Guard isn't helping anything. They're not making anything better. They're not pushing away border agents. They're not doing that. It does beg into question, though, again, and you've heard me mention this too, the interagency civil war. This is a big problem. This is something that is actually happening. I'm certain of it. An interdepartment, I should say, civil war also. It's not just between government agencies and between potentially border agents and or you know, the National Guard. It's individuals within the National Guard saying, we can't do this, and then other people saying, we're going to do this, regardless of the issue. I mean, that happens in every working environment. But when it happens within your own government and within the agencies that are actually supposed to uphold the law, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, they're all order takers. So who do we trust? Who do we actually trust? We have to trust our real eyes, our real ears, and then if somebody says something that counters what a mainstream media organization or outlet is actually stating, there's going to be far more truth there. I think nine times out of ten, there's always going to be far more truth there because, again, it's not what everybody's clamoring. This right here, again, is just another litmus test. 
Again, everybody said, oh, look, the National Guard's there, and then everybody got all excited. The Jack Posobics of the world, the real America's voice, oh, look, everything's getting fixed now. No. Nope. Nothing's getting fixed. It's same old, same old. It's just different people, you know, dressed differently, basically, at the, at the border. That's all. It's people with guns and bigger guns, and they're dressed differently. Show me hard evidence that these individuals are being deported. That's not happening. Show me hard evidence that these people are being kept out and not allowed to cross over. That's not happening either. It isn't happening. We're, again, where's the footage of this actually taking place? Where's the footage of them being loaded into a C-230 and then landing in Mexico, and then that the, you know the back end of that C-230 opens, and then all the Mexicans are back in Mexico, or all the Africans are back in Africa? We aren't seeing that. That isn't happening here. I'm telling you, this is going to be one hell of a task for Trump if he, if he actually gets in and we actually have an election and he's not killed and a thousand other things. This is going to be a huge undertaking. And again, I think Trump is right. This is going to be the biggest thing that we've ever seen if that actually happens, if it actually gets to that stage. But make no mistake, the border is wide open. In fact, that leads me to this kind of a local issue, and you've heard me bring this up before. In in the town where I live, with the help, ironically enough, of even Miami University themselves, they've now approved the groundbreaking for basically what they're calling this. Well, I don't I forget the exact stupid name of what they're calling it, but it's basically a train station. Again, we have a railroad track that runs right through the center of town, and this track makes stops in Chicago. And it makes stops in New York, and it makes stops in Cincinnati. And they also wanted, again, a busing service to exist here in this town. I mean, if you're with me and you know exactly what that means, you know exactly what that means then. This is a transportation hub now for illegals. That's exactly what's going to happen here. And they're doing whatever they can to get this in place by 2025. Again, you have the mayor of Chicago who's a full-blown Marxist. This guy can't get more communist. He can't. He'd shoot his own if he could. He'd shoot the people around him who, who frown at him if he could. But he doesn't because he knows he'd go to jail. But again, if he could do it, he would. This guy is begging Greg Abbott in Texas to not send him any more illegals. Where do you think the mayor of Chicago is going to start sending illegals because he can? He's going to put them on a train and he's going to send them to any stupid town with stupid politicians and stupid quote unquote people who think that they're leaders. And those stupid towns and cities like the one where I live, they're going to accept these illegals. They're going to bring them in. And then what's going to happen? A college town, a university town is going to be overwhelmed with illegals. You've already heard me say, excuse me, that when I pump gas from time to time, or I go into the local speedway, I'm telling you, when you just sit in your car at a, at a gas pump, that's all you have to do, you will see full-blown Africans. And I'm not saying they're Miami University students. They certainly are not. These are individuals from Africa. They are dressed the same. They look the same. Again, their, their heads are on swivels. And as you've heard me say, they don't use sidewalks. They just walk from point A to point B in a straight line because that's how they do it back home. <laughs> they, don't, they don't adhere to sidewalks or any sign of any kind. 
They, I mean, they, they can't even interpret the, the crosswalks correctly. They just walk in a straight line, no matter where they're going. The, th- the you know the place I have to go is over there. This is you know the quickest distance between two points is a straight line. Let's go, and then they just go. You can see these people. This town is going to be overrun with those individuals. And the people, again, the city council, the mayor, the city managers, and all these other dummies, they don't care. They don't care. They're flooding this town with those kinds of people, and they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing it. Now, even on a very, I would say, a, I would, it's not juvenile, but it's on a much smaller level, this particular train hub is going to have public bathrooms. I mean, wrap your head around that. The police force in this town is already stretched thin, which, by the way, the police officer who I brought up in a previous episode for uh, kneeing a Miami University uh, football player in the back and punching him in the back of the head because the guy was drunk, resisting arrest, and forced his way into a bar and was illegally trespassing and public intoxication, underage consumption of alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, and assaulting people. Uh, that p- particular police officer was found not guilty by an external investigation, so good for him. He didn't break any law, and nothing bad should have happened, and it didn't, thank God. But either way, the police force is stretched too thin. Now you've got public bathrooms next to a train track. What could possibly go wrong? Again, the homeless, the homeless population increases, the drug use increases. And then again, these police officers are beyond stretched thin already. In fact, they've already told me that. One of the last times this past summer when I called the police, again, same thing. They were like, yeah, we're stretched thin. We don't have enough cops here. But don't worry, train stations to Chicago and major cities and uh, public bathrooms, what could possibly go wrong? But we're going to have a bike rack. There's going to be a bike rack there and scooters and buses and transportation to Dayton, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati up 3C Highway. What could possibly go wrong? Again, I would encourage people to pay attention to moves like that that your local area makes. And then, of course, your eyes don't lie either. If your town or your city starts to get a little darker, if you know what I mean, if it isn't already, well, then that should be an indication that the plan is working. Their plan is working. And remember, if you disagree with their plans, well, you're a xenophobe. Here come all the names. This is going to be real funny because their names aren't going to work on illegals because illegals don't give a damn about any of those names. And when the very people carrying out this plan and implementing these policies, when they're the ones that are victimized by illegals, then the game changes, doesn't it? Then the whole thing changes. We've seen it time and time again. The hard left and the Marxists love catering to these foreigners, and then the foreigners end up killing them, and then what? Then they become the laughing stock of social media, the internet, society, so on and so forth. Again, what is it? Is it Maine or New Hampshire? I think it's New Hampshire. That their their governor or someone associated with them, one of their one of their stupid politicians, they all of the sudden are encouraging citizens to take in illegals into their own homes. If you have a spare room, if you want to put up an African inside of your home and give them a safe space because, you know, they're disenfranchised and what could possibly go wrong with a complete stranger from a foreign country living in your home around you and your children? 
In fact, it's beyond hilarious. If you go back in, I think, the last war video and, and you watch that particular clip of that press conference where this nitwit actually suggests that, every, every single sycophant standing behind her immediately starts to squirm the moment that she actually brings it up. She's just talking and talking and talking, and everybody behind her is dead still until she says, Now to all the citizens, if you have a spare room, and you can put them in your home, that would be much appreciated. Honest to Christ, everybody behind her immediately starts looking in different directions. They all start moving. They're all shaking. The nonverbal communication is astounding. It's absolutely astounding because you know that all of those people have a spare room and they're not going to take in an African for anything. They're not going to take in an Arab for anything. They're not going to do that. This is always what the Marxist pleads and it's always what the Marxist wants. Well, I have things that I can give away. I just don't think everybody else is going to give away their fair share. You're not going to give away shit to anybody. You're not going to give away something that you earned to somebody who hasn't earned anything from a foreign country who hasn't been vetted or anything. You wouldn't let your own neighbor sleep in your own house. Hell, people don't let stray dogs sleep in their own home. <laughs> but you're going to take in an African? You have to be kidding me. The hypocrisy of these people is beyond astounding. So I'm going to stop my rant there uh, and move on. But the point is this. This is going to get worse. This isn't going to get better. These plans at the local level are going to intensify. Keep your head on a swivel and your eyes open regarding things like this because I'm telling you, it's not going to go away. Everybody is now in the human trafficking business. It's the latest craze, ladies and gentlemen, and it's not illegal. Completely not illegal. Greg Abbott's been doing it. DeSantis has been doing it. Everybody's been doing it. You have illegals. You get illegals. You get free illegals. You get free illegals. It's like Oprah. Look under your chair. Illegals. Everybody gets illegals. And then they wonder why people don't use the local businesses, and people wonder why the crime increases, and why the roads don't get fixed, and why the trash seems to be everywhere. Again, the road that I live on has potholes on it. There's potholes in numerous roads. The roads in the town where I live in are destroyed. Not around the campus. No, no, no. Not around Miami University. The campus, the, the roads around the campus look 100% paved, completely fine, no potholes. But everywhere else outside of that, they're destroyed. But don't worry, we're putting in a train station and an absolute hub for the transportation of illegals from point A to point B. These are the priorities. This is the problem. Run for office, Sean. You can fix it. No. Nope, you can't fix this. You can't fix this. Fortunately, they're jabbed with a biological weapon and the time, you know, their, their time is running out. There's no doubt about that. But honest to God, you can't, you can't fix this. That leads me to this, actually. And Cicely sent this to me. And, uh, and she sent it to me a couple of days before it even hit the Gateway Pundit. And again, she lives there in New Mexico, and this is a huge problem. Old Wuhan, Luhan Grisham is going full bore here. I mean, she's going balls to the wall when it comes to violating everyone's rights. Again, how much more of this can people possibly take? But she flat out wants to disarm everybody in that state. She's trying it again. 
She sent me this. It says the following, quote, Today at a press conference in Santa Fe, the governor unveiled her anti-gun and anti-freedom wish list for the 2024 legislative session. While we don't yet have, a, have bill numbers for each item, we are expecting them all to be filed in 2024. Let's see. There's one, two, three, four, five, six points here. Here's what it says. Number one. A semi-automatic rifle ban molded after the failed federal proposal from Senator Heinrich. Number two, banning the carrying of firearms in parks, playgrounds, and near polling places. Makes complete sense, doesn't it? When you're out in public, basically, and you're trying to protect yourself and children, you're not allowed to carry a gun. She's an idiot, and it's completely unconstitutional. And she knows that, and she doesn't care. Number three, raising the age limit to purchase firearms to 21. Good luck. Number four, a 14-day waiting period when purchasing a gun. Good luck with that, too. Number five, expanding New Mexico's red flag gun confiscation law, HB 27. There you go. More, more government. More illegal infringement on our rights. And finally, making it easier to sue gun manufacturers and retailers. She needs to be removed. We've all seen these TikTok videos and all these online videos of people screaming and shouting, when do we get to exercise the Second Amendment? When do we get to overthrow our government? This is the constant question that exists, is it not? It should be the one that burns in everyone's mind. There needs to be a green flag go here at some point regarding all of this. They're going to keep making these inroads as far as they are concerned, and what are we doing? We're just relying on more government and, the, and lawfare and the so-called judicial system to defend us? We get to defend ourselves against people like this. It finally says this. It says, quote, Additionally, today we learned that a bill to place a 11% excise tax, says excise, on the sale of firearms and ammunition in New Mexico will also be filed. If they actually think that making guns more expensive through more taxes is going to keep people from buying guns, they've lost their minds. That's, that's not going to happen. Cicely also said this. She said that the buyback, the gun buyback program is back in full swing. $300. You get a $300 gift card. And she said, retards are actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I believe it. And that's beyond pathetic. Again, they want us dead. Do people not know this? Are they unaware? Are they still trusting government? Apparently they are. They still think that our government wants to protect us. They want us dead. Hello? The last four years. Has <laughs> everybody forgotten the last four years? Isn't that enough? I'm telling you, you just got to keep tabs on stuff like this in your local area. You have to. Keep a running list of all of the things that they're doing and all these little moves that they're making. The dots are on top of each other. They don't need connecting. They're on top of each other. Okay, moving on. Education stuff. I've got a great deal here. First of all, my apologies on the reference for this story. This shouldn't shock anybody. 
this was from the Gateway Pundit. Chicago public schools have lost $23 million worth of free laptops and other electronic devices provided to students in one year. Shocking. <laughs> let's, let's give this audio a listen in 3, 2, 1. Tens of thousands of laptops, iPads, and other electronics are missing from Chicago public schools. An inspector General's report found 77,000 devices were reported lost or stolen during the 2021-2022 school year. Total value, $23 million. The devices went missing after students took them home for remote learning during the pandemic. CPS spent $2.5 million on tracking software, but did not use it, saying it was flawed. Our work uncovered an incident where there were a pair of siblings, a brother and a sister at a school who between them lost nine or 10 devices. And there's no record or indication that the school district or anyone reached out to the family, mentioned that this was an issue, tried to figure out what had happened. EPS says in a district of our size, some device loss is expected, but we remain concerned about the loss of any public asset. The district is now working on improving device tracking, has recovered 12,000 laptops so far. Ah, yes, everybody's favorite magic trick, the disappearing laptops, the disappearing iPads in Chicago. I remember David Copperfield doing that when I was a child. He'd show up with a bunch of laptops in Chicago and abracadabra, they're all gone. Missing? (laughs) Hear the words they use. Do you hear this? Missing laptops. They just, they lost them. They just lost them. Who loses a computer? Nobody. They get sold. That's what happens. They get sold for guns, drugs, and whatever else they want to buy. They didn't disappear. (laughs) They didn't lose them in a magic hat. They didn't hit them with a wand and it's gone. What do I tell the school? And of course, they're doing whatever they can to make sure that people don't suspect black students is doing this. No, no, no. You know, we we reached out to certain people and, uh, you know, some people have brought them back. We promise Uh, we've confiscated 12,000. But, uh, you know, there's there's still many more that are missing. A brother and a sister lost 12 devices. No, they didn't lose 12 devices. They stole 12 devices and they sold 12 devices. Now go arrest them. Go arrest them. Question them. Arrest them. Question them. What did you do with these? I don't know. They just disappeared. I just lost them. Who loses a laptop? Nobody. No one. You don't, I mean, you lose your car keys, but you find them. (laughs) You know, you don't lose a laptop. Gee, where did I put that thing that I don't own uh, that doesn't belong to me, that's expensive to some extent? And, uh, and is in high demand on the black market. Hmm, where could it have possibly have gone? That doesn't happen. It must have, you know, that laptop must have been in my other pair of pants. No. Nope. And they're not mentioning race, of course, and they're not saying, well, you know, uh, Chicago is predominantly black students, and, uh, you know, we shouldn't have given them free laptops and, and free tablets. You know, we, we should have seen this coming. No, 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 no. They're not going to bring up any of that. Everybody gets a free pass. If it was whites doing it, well, they'd make mention of that, but not in Chicago. No, no, no. That's not going to be the case. So there you go. Black market iPads brought to you by the public schools of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. Okay.
Moving on. This one was from the Washington Examiner. Again, not shocking. Texas A&M looks to clamp down on public records requests after DEI inquiry. Hmm, why would that be? What do they have to hide? Again, you've heard me say a thousand times, these DEI programs, if anybody puts forth legislation at the state level and they go, yeah, we're winning, DEI is illegal and it can't be taught and all this Marxist perversion and sexual perversion can't be taught, uh, you know, we're doing a good thing because we're politicians. No, the local individuals are always going to change the names, hide the programs, put them behind closed doors. They're always going to do that, and the reason that they're going to do that is because they do not want anybody to find out in an open records request that that's exactly what they're talking about over email on a constant basis with one another within these institutions. Again, Texas Tech is a CIA hub of some of the worst human beings on the face of the planet. Deborah Burks works there, for Christ's sake. I mean, think about it. Deborah Burks, she's a murderer. Welcome to Texas Tech. Yeah, they're not going to they're not going to work on open records requests because they don't want to divulge what they're actually doing. They don't want people to know the secret lingo that they have worked out to continue to hide their sexual perversions. And again, you know, I'm going to mention this too. One of those just blanket reminders. Anybody covering for a DEI program is either a pedophile or a pedophile apologist. It is that simple. That's it. Anybody teaching DEI is a pedophile or a pedophile apologist. Anybody going along with it is a pedophile and a pedophile apologist. And yes, I know that it means diversity, equity, and inclusion. I, I fully understand that it's also about eliminating white people. I fully get it. Then the person is also a bigot. It's that simple. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Anybody using those words is talking about the elimination of white people. They're talking about the elimination of a free-thinking, free society all of the time. These people need to be called out to their face on a constant basis. They need to be called pedophiles to their faces as frequently as humanly possible. I don't care if they're school board members, teachers, I don't care about their sexual, uh, you know, th their own sexual perversions. We know that they have them. That's why they're pushing these kinds of programs and normalizing these kinds of perversions and normalizing the race replacement and the race elimination and a thousand other things, not hiring white people. Again, just like Delta Airlines the other day, same thing. Don't capitalize the word white. Capitalize the word black and brown, but leave the word white undercase, uh, undercase spelling. Okay. Okay, thank you, Delta Airlines. We didn't need you to tell us that you're racist. You're, you're, <laughs> you're trafficking human beings without question. We already know you have no standards. So how you type things on a memo is irrelevant. But again, Texas Tech University, these universities, they won't quit because they're the enemy. The enemy doesn't give up unless you destroy them. And even then, you know, they, they pop up some other place. They're like a weed that you just can't get rid of. So there's that. All right. I mentioned the Crumbly trial earlier. Again, that's coming up. I don't have an exact date on that, but I do know that there was a, a motion and the judge is allowing the actual footage of the shooting to take place within the, uh, 
within the trial itself so that people can see it. Of course, they won't show us, most likely the public, although if they did, that would be a first, wouldn't it? It would actually justify people asking questions about Sandy Hook and why didn't you have security cameras there? And well, why was your power turned off? And why did you not have internet access in that building that was clearly not a school? Same thing with Uvalde. Again, where's the badge cam footage from inside the classroom where it was a bloodbath? Where's the badge cam footage? Not a, not a second of that footage is there. Weird. How about all the dead kids and dead staff members uh, in Nashville? Where's all that? Where's the badge cam footage of that? Doesn't exist. So that leads me to Oxford now. And I'll tell you something. The Oxford, Michigan school district is, uh, well, I don't have the words. These are some of the dumbest humans on the face of the planet. The, the school board is full-blown certifiable. These people are nuts. They continue to show up, of course, to their own meetings because they have to. But the parents also who continue to send their children to these, to these schools, again, in particular, the high school, it blows me away. I, I can't for the life of me figure it out. They could bankrupt the school overnight if they just unenroll all of their children at once and then keep them out permanently. But the matrix is so strong with these individuals, so much so that one woman continuously shows up and she all openly, I should say, even on the internet, of course, because these make their way to the internet, she's openly telling the whole internet world, which is the whole world, that her daughter has all of these mental and emotional health problems as a result of being in the same school where the shooting took place. Hello, McFly, take your child out of the school district permanently. Take them out permanently. Here's one particular interaction that I want to play. This is between, I assume, a dad. I don't know if this is a dad who lost a child there or not. But this is a dad who consistently shows up to these meetings and gives the school board absolute hell. And I like it, except for the fact that if they are a parent who, cons who, who consistently, I should say, sends their child to this school district, he's making a huge mistake. Because here's the other thing that's happening before I play the audio. The thing that happens within these schools, which is an indication that the shooting actually occurred, is they outsource all of their counseling and their health services and all these grants and all this other crap, what they do is, is they, they basically become this giant hub of leeches. So when a real shooting takes place, all of these leeches from the outside, these NGOs, these mental health services organizations and whatever else, they all show up and they start sucking as much blood and money as they can out of the school system. And the school system in return uses this to justify their stance on, well, we're making the environment safer and everybody's going to be healthier and this is a good thing. No, none of that ever happens. None of it. The environment gets worse because they're always adding more things to the actual environment. Well, we need to hire more counselors and we need to hire more mental health professionals and blah, blah, blah. And again, this one particular female mother shows up and she goes, the counselors don't know what the hell they're doing. The so-called mental and emotional health experts in these schools don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, of course they don't. They're all Marxists. They're all Marxists. Donald Trump's to blame for everything as far as they're concerned. 
This is because of a lack of gun control. That's why all of this happened. Nope. It's because the environment has no accountability. The people who are responsible outside of Ethan Crumbly, the actual employees themselves, are still employed. The counselor who didn't check his bag is still employed. Again, this was a revelation to me, but I found that out in that in that uh, you know that talk with Truth for Oxford, if that if that's their organization's name. Again, th- those those fantastic people made me aware of that, and I had absolutely no idea. But that's what happens in these environments when there's no accountability. People get pissed because they want accountability, and the people who aren't doing the thing that they're contractually obligated to do by getting rid of the people who should have been held accountable continue to not do their job and they continue to act like there isn't a problem and they just go about their business as usual, well, that's going to piss off more people. It's a multidimensional problem, but this is a problem, again, that the very parents themselves can solve in the blink of an eye. Stop being addicted to the actual environment that's your actual abuser. They're gaslighting you. Your very participation proves that you're being gaslit. And it's also disappointing, too, and this proves the gaslighting. There's only 65 views of this particular board meeting on YouTube. 65. That's it. This is from two days ago. And there's no comments. You're actually allowed to leave comments, but there's zero comments. That should prove to people, again, that even the fact that they're opening up comments and there are no comments, that's a big problem. People just keep sending their kids into these environments, and it's beyond disgusting. So let me play this audio from this guy again, who consistently shows up to these meetings and lays into the board members, and it really is a beautiful thing. So give this a listen in three, two, one. All right, so we're talking about the superintendent that we're searching for. I had four things. Number one, the new superintendent must be trauma-informed, considering our entire community is dealing with the trauma of November 30th and will be for the rest of our lives. Number two, the superintendent must be willing to immediately remove all individuals named in the $3 million investigation report, along with those that tried to silence this community. Angela Weaver sent out emails telling employees to not answer questions before the shooter's gun stopped smoking or the victim stopped bleeding. Number three, must be willing to immediately remove the security team for failing to protect student privacy by spreading imagery and video of students undressing against policy, state, and federal law, and then trying to silence the whistleblowers um, specifically Rourke and Vernier and Pam Fine. The sensitive content should have been isolated, removed from computers, and given to state police, not passed around for the viewing pleasure of security staff members. Number four, the superintendent must be willing to follow all school policies, state and federal laws, including Open Meetings Act, to end exposure and liability and lawsuits costing this district money and distracting from the student's education. With the investigation report now out, I'm calling on Superintendent Vicki Markovich to take immediate action on these four items so the incoming superintendent doesn't have to do your job. When is the board going to address the names of staff listed in the investigation? 
Heather, you were gone for the whole month of December. Were you in hiding or were James, you on vacation? For the prearranged, we're talking about agenda topics, which was the superintendent. Yeah, that's what I'm talking to. That's specifically to the point I'm speaking. But please don't interrupt me while I'm talking on my time. So, Heather, you never made a statement. No board member has, has talked about the report, the investigation. We spent $3 million, and not one board member has spoken about the report one time the staff members' names who were listed as responsible. Why aren't you talking to us? Why did we spend $3 million, Heather? They're pointing at you. The, the report you paid for points right at you. Why aren't you talking about it? Did you waste our money? We could have rebuilt the whole wing of the school for $3 million. So all the kids coming out of this school don't have to go into a murder zone. And you don't think that's going to traumatize these kids trying to study well, they think about what happened in those hallways because you didn't do your job or because the superintendent didn't do his job or all the people who didn't do their job who knew and were warned that a shooting was going to happen at the high school. You hear that level of corruption? You can't fix that. That environment doesn't have to say a word to the public. They just continue to go full steam ahead, downhill. They don't care. They aren't responsible to the public. They're not bringing this up in any superintendent meeting when they're searching, when the, you know, back when they were searching for those superintendent firms. They, they do not care. So much so that the one woman who I believe is the board president who interrupted the guy, it's abundantly clear that she wasn't even listening to him. She wasn't even paying attention. Because he was talking specifically about things that the superintendent who's coming in needs to be aware of because that was the only agenda item that they were allowed to speak on. So she just outed herself as, again, not being able to pay attention to a basic conversation. So she's a dummy. But again, why would you keep sending your children to these environments? You can't fix them. This can't be reformed. It can't be redone. You can't get on school boards and, you know, take the wrecking balls to the district offices the way that they need to be. Yes, all you need is a majority. There's no doubt about it. But these are secret societies. These superintendents are associated with these superintendent associations at the state level. They pass each other around. They all take oaths. And that oath is not to protect you as a parent or your children when you send them. They're tied in, all of them. It's a level of corruption that people have a very difficult time wrapping their heads around. But trust me, if you can wrap your head around it, it's far worse than even that. And there was this little dime, which is rather important, I think. The board voted in the middle of their meeting. It's dead in the middle of their meeting. It's actually around the one hour, 40 minute mark. They voted very quickly to hire Perkins Coie. As their, as their law firm, to represent them. Does that name ring a bell? Wasn't Perkins Coie the law firm that was either associated with voter fraud or weren't they the law firm that was hired by Hillary Clinton to dig up dirt on uh, Donald Trump and the whole Russiagate thing? Wasn't, I mean, weren't, weren't they the law firm? They were. 
That, that's the same law firm, international law firm based in Seattle, Washington, founded in 1912. The Oxford, Michigan School District has just hired Perkins Coey <laughs> to be their law firm. Hello? Do you see how out of touch these people are? They don't even know that the law firm that they're hiring might cease to exist in the future for treason and sedition. Unbelievable. These people are out to lunch. But don't worry, they need more counseling services and more health services for their children because they don't like walking down a hallway where someone's been killed. That's the least of your problems. Who hires Perkins Coey for anything? If you know what's going on in the world. Unbelievable. And you know how this went down. You know how this went down. That school district isn't smart enough to find Perkins Coey. They can't, I mean, they, they can't find him in a Google search. They're that dumb. Which means, how did they get a hold of Perkins Coey? Perkins Coey reached out to them. Why would Perkins Coey, a remarkably corrupt law firm, again, I, I, I think Christopher Steele was, was one of their employees. I could have that wrong, but he was one of the individuals who falsified documents against the President of the United States. And that's the law firm then that this school district blindly hired in the blink of an eye. Do I hear a second? Second. Uh, take a vote. And they go, yes, 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 yes. And then that's it. Just like that, that fast, no discussion. Not who are these people, what the hell's going on, nothing. On to the next item. Perkins Coey reached out to them because they know that they have things that they need to hide. It's far worse in Oxford than what people can possibly imagine. One board meeting is all you have to listen to and the, and the dimes that get dropped and the red flags are everywhere. Bankrupt them. It's the only way you destroy them. You bankrupt them. Stop going. <laughs> I can't believe it. People keep sending their kids here to these kinds of places. It's unbelievable. Perkins Coey's revenue for 2023 was $1,163,764,000. Again, they're an international law firm. School districts don't hire international law firms. They hire local people. And those local firms are usually tied in with multiple districts. This doesn't happen unless there's a crime that's been committed that needs to be covered up. And that's exactly what, of course, has happened here. Now, again, like I said, I'm certain that someone got to the district and said, hire these people. That had to have been the avenue. It could have been Dana Nessel. It could have been Gretchen Whitmer. It could have been some slime ball below them who got a hold of these people and goes, you know, hire these individuals. Or it was Coey themselves that reached out and was like, we'll take your case, no problem. We'll, we'll take all your cases. We'll handle everything. Because they know that there's money in it, too. They know that they have a coffer of cash. That they can hand over to this school, to, uh, that they can hand over to their law firm, rather, to defend them for every single lawsuit that comes down the pipe. If, if there are numerous ones that occur, and there probably are. But even with all of that aside for a minute, 
This right here is your open records request. Every single citizen needs to get a hold of the treasurer of that school district over email. And then, of course, if you want to twist the knife, you give them a call after you send the email. And then you record the phone call. And you say, I just made a formal open records request for all communications from any district employee or board member specifically regarding any communication with any state official. Now, you have to be even more specific than that or else they'll deny your request. So you have to start naming particular names. And if that means that each individual request is just for a specific name, for example, the first request that you make formally in one email is you want any email communications or phone calls, but it's going to be, but well, yeah. You can even require phone calls because in many cases they have to record those. They don't record the phone calls, but they have to record that they actually called a state official, a day, a time, things of that nature. Your first one can be to Dana Nessel regarding specifically Dana Nessel. So you would say in an email, again, to the treasurer of the school district, I'm making an o a formal open records request for any communications between any, again, school official, board member, etc., specifically to or from Dana Nessel. That's your first records request. Your next one, Whitmer, or anybody in Whitmer's office. Any employee directly or indirectly associated with Gretchen Whitmer and or her office. Same thing with Dana Nessel. It could be, again, one of Nessel's sycophants. Because these individuals, again, I got to tell you, Jesus, I got to tell you, they scheme, okay? These are meddlers and schemers like you can't imagine. They know that you'll make an open records request. They're fully aware of that. So again, if anybody in that town is listening to this, they know that you'll make that request, which means Dana Nessel wouldn't have herself directly communicating with the district. She would have someone else who's not associated with her in an employment capacity probably contact the district regarding Perkins Coey or a thousand other issues that are going on there. Getting a hold of that person's name is a difficult task. Because it would be easy to say, from the school district standpoint, we don't talk with Dana Nessel. We've never reached out to her. She's never reached out to us. But what they're not going to tell you is that one of her sycophants has reached out to them, or that they reached out to one of their sycophants, or they were approached by someone in a parking lot who said, hire Perkins Coey, or we can help you out with this, that, or the other. It's a it's a flipping criminal organization. You have to know this. Again, you know, uh, honest to God, it's as simple as this. If you've ever seen Goodfellas or any gangster movie, okay, why would you send your child into the corner pizza restaurant in a gangster movie when that's where all the gangsters are hanging out doing gangster things? That's what the parents of this community are, are actually doing consistently. Now, again, these board meetings are sparse. I mean, they, they're, they're, not, they're not packed to the gills. But the vast majority of the individuals that show up to the, to the table, sit down and put the microphone in front of their face and, and talk to these board members, they're the ones giving them hell. And it's great. It's absolutely great. Uh, again, Two more women showed up. Well, there was this one woman again who showed up, and she's whining again about how her senior daughter is having trouble learning and now has a 504 because the mental health services aren't enough for her and blah, blah, blah. 
if, if your child is a senior in high school, they can read and write, which means they can teach themselves, which means you're a dumbass. If you keep sending your child to that school district and, and they're sad all day long, that's your, that's your fault as a parent. That's your problem. Not to mention, I don't think I would want Oxford High School or Oxford Community School District on my resume moving forward for a university position or any other job or whatever that this person's child wants to do in the future. I would remove myself as far from that district as humanly possible. But there were, again, other speakers who showed up and gave them hell. Another woman shows up and gives them hell and says, did you read the the after-action report from this other school district? They basically openly admitted that everybody didn't follow policy. They started to make fires and blah, blah, blah. And that, of course, is not what Oxford has done. They have an after-action policy or uh, paperwork, rather, that's already apparently come out. But they're not sharing it with anybody, allegedly. Or they are, but they're not firing the people who are named in it. Again, that's a big problem. Um, But again, with that aside, there's also this, and you can't make this up. There are sycophants. And one of them shows up to this board meeting and actually speaks and licks the boots and kisses the ass of all of the people who are the board members there, including the superintendent and others. And they work in the district, in the district office. And they send their children to this school district. Give this woman a listen in 321. Thank you for giving the opportunity to speak. I sit before you as a parent. I have four students, or I had four students in the district. I have three, a fifth year senior currently in the OSEC program and two juniors at OHS. Uh, I'm a fellow alumni, and um, I work for the district as well. I work at Central Office, and I've been here for six years. I'm a proud Team O member. Um, And I came to kind of speak out tonight. I'd like to first acknowledge and thank you as board members for the commitment and work you are doing each day for the success of our students and the care and support you've provided for our staff, our students, and our community. I do not envy the jobs that you have been in and the work you have done for the past two years. I would like to publicly thank Board President Heather Schaefer and Treasurer Mary Hansen, Cancer, for your continued participation and support of our students, our staff, our community. We appreciate you. I appreciate you. I would also like to recognize and thank Dr. Markovich. Your, for your leadership and commitment to getting Oxford Community Schools through this transitions over the past year. The experience and guidance you've provided throughout the school year has been a gift. I have personally grown under your leadership and I thank you. In addition, I would like to recognize Dr. Allison Willman. Her commitment and dedication to the safety and security to all of our students and staff is so very appreciated. As a parent and staff person, I feel 100% confident that Oxford Community Schools is the safest school district in our state due to her commitment and experience and systems that have been put in place under her leadership. Dr. Willeman has the educational leadership and unique experience and unique area of experience in safety and security that makes her a true asset to Oxford Community Schools. Lastly, I'd like to recognize Mr. Todd Barless. His leadership in implementing supports and systems to meet the social and emotional needs of our students and staff district-wide have been imperative for improvements in our overall emotional growth from this tragedy. 
He has personally helped me in my healing journey. Um, throughout this year, I've, I've had the opportunity in my, in my work life, in my personal life. Um, I'm very active in my school. I'm active in the band. I go to every play. I go to every musical. I go to every football game. I got a cheerleader. I'm, I'm present. And, and I'm also very active in my, in my job in supporting parents. And I've talked with hundreds as a listening ear, and, and I've always been a judgment-free zone that everybody's at a different place in their learning journey, in their, in their healing journey. And, and a lot of that I got from Todd. And we all have good days, and we all have bad days, and that's okay. So this past Sunday, I was at church where it was shared, Outlook changes outcome. These words struck me at this time as we look as a community to truly look at what our outcome we're working, what outcome we're working to achieve. For the past two years, many have been inappropriately demanding for resignation and change to school board members and district administration. And over the past two years, this district has undergone a tremendous amount of change of both school board members, district administration, along with increased safety, security, social emotional supports, staff training and development, and many other supports for trainings and offerings to students, staff, parents, and community members. I feel confident as a parent who reads the newsletters and listens to the board presentations on what is happening within our district, that we have made changes and improvements, and we will continue to strive to be the best educational district in our area, providing more choices and opportunities than any other school district around. But what has not changed in these past two years? Lansing, funding, requirements for schools. In order to truly make the lives of Tate, Justin, Madison, and Hannah matter, we need to advocate for change in Lansing. We need to advocate on the importance of school security and mental health supports in public education. Legislative changes providing funding, guidance, and accountability for all school districts to provide a safe, secure learning environment with the mental health supports needed for students throughout Michigan. We need to stop banging down the doors at 10 North Washington and stand together as one voice in Lansing to make real change so all students can be safe at school. It is time to work together towards systematic changes in our educational system. Let's use the strength and determinations that our angels possess and show how Oxford Community Schools now is an example of what can be done. Let's stand together in Lansing and fight for funding and accountability. That is the only way to reduce the number of school shootings and provide the mental health supports before another tragic event happens. She's dumber than a bag of shit. There's no way around it. She's just dumb. She's beyond stupid. And she's a sycophant, which is why she's licking boots and her face is, you know, just covered in, in the backsides of everybody. And her tongue is dirty from licking all the boots and so on and so on. It's beyond embarrassing. It's the false equivalency. These people exist in these districts and show up like that because they can't see what's really happening here. They have no clue. She's bone-dead stupid, that woman. She could have stayed away. That would have been the smart thing. But now the entire town knows who she is, where she works, and what she stands for. She's a team player, ladies and gentlemen. That's a team player for you. And I'll tell you something. I could play the entire comment section from this board meeting alone for the rest of this episode, but this episode would be three hours long. I mean, the people really tear the board a new one. And if you're going to watch a school board meeting, I'm telling you, the Oxford Community School Board meeting is, these meetings are, are intense. 
They're very well done, but there's hardly anybody in the room. That's kind of the sick part. And what's actually kind of nice is, is in, a, in a later comment, a woman comes up to the table, and again, they're all leaning into the board, which is awesome. They're all lecturing the ever-living hell out of them, which is great. But a woman stands up before she sits down at the microphone. She turns around, and she looks at that district sycophant and lectures the ever-living hell out of her. It was great. She goes, don't. Don't feed us all that bootlicking nonsense. We don't want to hear it. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. She even called the, the, their board meetings amateur hour. She goes, it's just amateur hour here. She goes, I wasn't going to speak, but my God. And then she just tears into them. It's wonderful. Again, there, there's, there's solid-minded people there. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about it. But this should prove to you, ladies and gentlemen, that those previous shootings, quote-unquote, in those schools that, you know, traumatize everybody and change district policy in every school district across the nation, those don't happen because those districts aren't doing what this one is doing. And I'm not saying again that this district has its hands clean. They clearly don't. That's beyond evident. But the simple policies and procedures and the things that are taking place in this district aren't happening in Uvalde, Nashville, or Sandy Hook. They didn't happen because they didn't happen. Again, everything is connected here. We're talking about a puzzle. These are all puzzle pieces, and it all creates this really gross picture, but there's truth in that picture too. And that truth needs to be sifted through and examined, and this is just a piece of it. But the last person who speaks in the board meeting is the father of one of the departed. And, And I'll tell you, again, he's a passionate guy. And he, and he seems to know what he's talking about, but there's a number of things, again, that he's sort of stepping on and then he, he's not following through on. Again, I can't put myself in his shoes and I, and I certainly wouldn't try, but he sort of brings up a bit of a threat to insurance and raising their insurance costs so that they're too, they're too pricey. I'm certain that the district is already feeling that pinch. There's no doubt about it. Um... Again, I, I don't think that the bonds for the win aspect is going to matter in this case because, again, as I've said before, the insurance company that represents the school district, they have lawyers too, and they're not going to back down from any particular claim that gets made or um, you know, mental health services that need to be made where children are still being sent to the environment and you know they feel unsafe and they don't feel well and, and X, Y, Z. Ultimately, again, they're going to back it up on the on the parents and say, well, the parents don't have to send them. The parents don't have to send their children to this particular school, even though, of course, it's the free public school in the area and, and they're supposed to. But this is where that so-called immunity comes into play, so to speak, because they end up saying, well, you have freedom of choice. You don't have to. Add, I mean, this is where this is again where this is the hypocrisy, but this is where the public school system actually advocates for, for school choice, so to speak. They, uh, you know, they instantly say, well, there are other places where you can send your kids and they can online learn if, if they don't feel safe here because other students feel safe here. So, uh, you know, if you keep sending them and they don't, well, you need to find other means of educating your kid. I mean, that's, that's their argument. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than you bankrupt these school districts by not going anymore. That's how it gets done. It doesn't. It doesn't get done and nothing changes with you trying to wrestle a grizzly bear that's starving 
or fight you know fighting for survival essentially you, you you can't you can't do that you're fighting criminal organizations that are tied into criminal organizations that are represented legally by criminal organizations your average lawyer wouldn't touch this with a 10 foot pole which again should bring into question and again th- there will be some kind of a settlement m- most certainly these parents, again, if it, you know, bless their hearts, but if they get a, a fat check in front of them and, and their lawyers, based on the lawsuits that they have filed, uh, show them a big fat check, they're going to take the check. And there's not going to be any comment from the district regarding any particular case that they may lose from a parent who lost a child there. That's not going to happen either because that doesn't happen in most situations. They don't release a statement. They just say, you know, it was a horrible situation. Or, you know, they're not even going to apologize. It's just business as usual for them. And again, that's what most of the people commenting at the table say. You know, you're not talking back to us and you're not, you're not giving us any answers because that's their, that's their MO. That's what they do. That's the business. So keep your eyes peeled for any superintendent who shows up to this district because when they make that hire, and they will have to eventually, that individual has to be a certain kind of retarded to want to be a superintendent in that school district. Because on day one, they're going to get attacked like crazy. And only a masochist would actually want to be a, uh, a superintendent in that district. No one with a straight head in their skull would ever want to work there. Again, it, it attracts the mentally disabled. That's what it really does. It attracts the sociopaths and the psychopaths and the narcissists and the narcissistic personality disorder kind of people. That's that's who that's who's here. That's who's in this environment. Again, you heard him earlier, the sycophant, some of the board members, and then of course the logical parents who know what the hell is going on, and then unfortunately the parents who keep sending their kids there. So there's a whole lot of not thinking going on. But the answer is rather clear, and it's remarkably simple, and it's how you take the power back. That's how you bankrupt the school district overnight. Everybody stops going. And if everybody stops going, you got to close the doors then. Then they got to fire everybody. Then the board, as, as individuals, as people, that's when the state comes after them and replaces them. That's how that gets done. So they're not going to leave. They're going to continue to receive kickbacks and a thousand other things. Because again, people need to keep this in mind. City councils, mayors, Board members, board presidents, you name it. With all this money that's been floating around over the last four plus years, they're getting some of that money. In fact, they're voting to pay themselves more and more money, even for positions that never used to be paid, like school board members. Now, now they're feeding themselves cash because, well, times have changed and we have the, we have the sources and, and the funds to do so. And, and then they just pay themselves you know, for their time for a position, again, that used to be free. So there you go. Either way, I'm going to put that one down for now. I'm sure I'll revisit it in the future. That's the latest from Oxford. Perkins Coey, ladies and gentlemen. They hired Perkins Coey. (laughs) You can't make this shit up. You can't make it up. All right, next. There's this. The Talawanda City School Board, where where I live. Quick reminder of a couple of things, because this was the first board meeting with the 
new uh, school board member, Adon King. And uh, there you have it. And in a, in a incumbent, rather, a Dr. Rebecca Howard, EDD. Um, she is now the board president. And here's what took place in the last board meeting, and it was a doozy. You may recall that Don King was attacked behind her back and then, of course, to her face by one of the sitting board members, a Pat Mead. Where, again, behind Don King's back to a mutual uh, acquaintance or and or friend, uh, Pat Mead told Don King's friend, not knowing that she was friends with Don King, that she wanted to effing remove Don from the board and we have to do effing whatever we effing can to keep her from being a board member and effing and effing and effing. So there's a lot of that going on. Either way, as you heard me say on the show, Don King had a responsibility to read that Facebook post during the board meeting. That she should have done that. And if she wasn't going to do it, her husband should have done it at the microphone. Unfortunately, neither of those things occurred. This is a problem. But here's what Dawn did do in the meeting. That would have been the thing to do, but she did this. During their session where they're going through their general business, so to speak, for the public to see based on the, uh, the itinerary there. What she ended up doing was is she asked a question in the middle of them about when they were, well, let me set it up like this. It's kind of confusing. They were going to lump a bunch of different issues together and vote to approve all of them. Dawn was the only dissenting voice where she specifically said, I want a discussion on item this. And the item that she asked for a discussion for, which took place, and it was a long discussion that revealed a whole lot of dirty shit. She, op she openly asked for a debate on the funding for preschool. Because apparently in this district, the way that it works is, is if you attend, if you send, if you're dumb enough, I should say, to send your child to preschool, which I should open, I should state this too beforehand. In the meeting, Dave Bothist, who is another board member, this was the guy who I filed the ethics complaining, uh, complaint against uh, re regarding paying himself back for Super Bowl tickets. So, he, you know, he's an idiot. But either way, he got sad, too, about uh, Mike DeWine's veto being overridden by the House, you know, that would allow uh, kids to be sexually mutil mutilated and generally, you know, their genitals mutilated. And then, of course, trannies can play in whatever sport they want. He was sad that that can't happen now. So boo-hoo for him. Either way, um, what ended up happening was, is again, Dawn asked for a discussion on the spending of, of preschool. Who, who pays and who doesn't? Big question. As it turns out, in this district, if you attend preschool, and David Bothis' blanket statement on that was, preschool works for everybody. Preschool is remarkably beneficial. I think everybody knows that. No. As it turns out, David, books have been written about the retarded nature of preschool and how it doesn't need to exist and how it doesn't do anything. It's useless. What do you do? Not talk to your own children? Are you that negligent of a parent? All preschool does is acclimate children to the brainwashing system at a younger age. That was its point. That was the entire point of creating preschool to begin with. It's an indoctrination program getting them even younger. That's it. 
Now, as it turns out, if you're not on any kind of special education paperwork, you have to pay full price for preschool in this district. If you are on special education paperwork, you don't have to pay for preschool whatsoever. No one knew this, except for the individuals again who maybe attend preschool or don't attend. Perhaps those that do attend know this and they want to keep it hush hush. But the discussion that Don King asked for, which took place, exposed all of that. So now endless people in the entire town know that if you're on special education paperwork, I'm using huge finger quotes, you don't have to pay a dime. And if you aren't on special education paperwork because your child is, I don't know, not in, in, in any kind of need, so to speak, so they like people to believe, then you have to pay out the wazoo. Now, with all of that said, the discussion then took place and they went around the horn to vote to keep things the way that they are for this school year, for the remainder of this school year. And Don King was the only person who said no. Either make it free for everybody or make everybody pay. That was her take, and I agree with her. She was right. Again, there's no such thing as a free lunch here. And this is a school district that is heading toward insolvency. I love it. I want them to cease to exist. You've heard me say that a million times. But either way, that took place. Then there was this. And you can't make it up, and it's connected. Then, a vote was put out on the table in their, again, in their, in their meeting minutes here, to re-up their association to the Ohio School Board Association. This is not free. It's over $9,000 per year. And that's just from one school district. Now, what does that get you? It gets you the occasional trip to a conference. It gets you the occasional hotel room. It gets you these special emails that go out to where people can apparently hear all the other indoctrination that's going on in the entire state and everybody can get on the same page and read all those emails. That's what that nine plus thousand dollars does. So Don King asked the question again. What does this do for us? Even though she's gone through their training, which she shouldn't have done, to be a board member, because you can deny the training. If you're voted in to a school board, you don't have to do jack shit regarding any training that they offer you. You can say, no thanks, I'm good. But she went through their training and thought it was beneficial. I, I, I highly doubt that because unfortunately what happened next was is she voted yes, along with everybody else, to remain in the Ohio School Board Association, which means she voted to continue paying them $9,000 a year, which begs the question, would $9,000 make preschool free for everybody if you didn't associate with that association anymore? Because school districts all, all over the state are leaving the association and these associations and these clubs and secret societies that are controlled, I might add, from the very top, from the worst humans on the face of the planet. So the hypocrisy in the vote was an odd one. She voted to remain in it, and then again, 
voted no on keeping the preschool system the way that it currently is. You have to blow the whole thing up. You have to blow it all up. No more, no more associations. No more blind yes votes on things. And if it's not free for everybody, then you shouldn't have it. And if you're going to have it, then everybody pays the same. That's common sense. But unfortunately, that's lost on most of the board members. Either way, Don made two nice inquiries that really cracked open a can of nuts here that is really interesting. And the cat's out of the bag on, on the wasteful spending. Keep in mind, they're going broke. They already are broke, but, you know, it's, it's getting worse. Then there was this. And you have to keep in mind the landscape of this school board. Most of them are gay. This matters. Because most of them loved that HB60, whatever the hell it was, that Mike DeWine vetoed. They, they wanted children to mutilate themselves. They, they want this. They're supporters of this. They enjoy this. They get off on it. They also get off on having people pretend that they're the sex that they are not and then participate in sports for which they have no business participating. They get off on this. They enjoy it. So because that got vetoed, they're all sad now. Or because, I'm sorry, the veto was overridden and that's all illegal now in the state of Ohio, they're all sad. So with that said, during the public comments section, a senior in high school who attends the high school, God knows why, he should homeschool himself, he's, he's brilliant, the kid's bright, tall dude, walks up to the, walks up to the microphone with a, with a huge Bible in his hands. And before he does, and they know who he is, before he does, because he apparently leads a Bible study group in the school district um, bi-weekly or something like that, the board president openly states that he needs to keep his comments regarding, uh, basically keep his comments to board business. Okay. You don't have to keep your comments to board business. You can come up in the in the public in the public forum and say whatever the hell you want. You can read off recipes to Sunday night dinners if you want. You can say whatever you want, and they can't keep you from saying whatever you want. Now, there's a debate with this because here's what happened. He shows up. He says, I, I'm, I'm certain that this pertains to board business, and I, and I want to specifically talk about the school and, and how I think that this directly ties to two biblical passages, and I want to read them. And before he can even crack open his Bible, the board president says, I'm sorry, we're a non-denominational school. It's a public, it's a public school. You have to uh, keep your comments to board comments, but if you want to email us, you can email us anything that, that you want to say, and then we will take those comments into consideration. And he goes, okay, thanks, I understand. And he turns around and he leaves, and he sits back down. He should have stood there like a rock, in my opinion. He should have read it anyway, and they should have made him, he, he should have stood there until the cops took him out in cuffs. In my humble opinion, that's what should have happened. Now, the debate of all of that Violation of the First Amendment, a thousand other things. Yes, I, I, I don't. I'm not a lawyer. I like to pretend I am from time to time, but I, I feel like that certainly is against the law. 
Uh, I lean more toward that way, and I've been over the history of, again, separation of church and state. It's not what people think. That's not what Thomas Jefferson had in mind. They misinterpreted it, and then they made a ridiculous law based off of it and, and what have you. Either way, it's a public forum. And if he believes that there's a passage in the Bible that pertains to the well-being of the people in the building, well, he gets to bring that up. What the board doesn't want is they don't want somebody coming up with a Koran reading from the Koran. What they don't want is they don't want some, someone coming up and, and reading from the Talmud. What they don't want also is someone coming up and reading from the Bible on a board-in, board-out basis. That's really what they don't want is the latter. But they don't want the debate either, which is why they shut it down. So again, if I was to give that student a, uh, a, a tip, if he were, were to ever listen to this, which he probably won't, but if he did, my recommendation would be go back and speak specifically about the bill that, that Governor DeWine vetoed that the board members are all butthurt about that, didn't, that ended up getting overridden. And now you're glad as a student and as a knower and follower of Jesus Christ that mutilating children is the devil's work. And that if you support that, then you're a Satanist. That's what he could have said. That would have been nice. Calling board members Satanists for being sad that now mutilating children and cutting their genitals off in the state of Ohio is illegal. And playing basketball on the girls' team when you're a boy is illegal. Call them Satanists to their face because that's what they are. Again, that's just my two cents. That's what I would have done. I've already spoken at these board meetings. I have no intent on returning unless one of them drops dead from the jabs. Then I'll be back to say I told you so. However, regarding this issue, that's, that, that's a particular tip. You're still getting your point across without reading passages. You can memorize a passage and say it, but they don't want you to specifically read from the Bible because, again, they're Satanists. That's the point here. They're godless monsters. There's no way around it. Look, look at the way that they treated children over the last four years, starting in 2020. It can't get clearer. These are people of not a right mind. And now they're jabbed, and that, of course, isn't working well on the cognition of human beings these days, which kind of leads me into this. Although, one more quick story here, education-related, before I jump into the jabs. This is from the College Fix. Uh, shouldn't shock anybody because, again, this is, a, this is a trend that is being exposed on numerous college campuses, but this was titled Vanderbilt has one administrator for every two students, so says an analysis. Now, why is that? Simple. This is what diversity, equity, and inclusion brings in and ushers in. This is exactly what poor instructional environments usher in. They usher in more administrators to control more of the so-called narrative and the brainwashing and the indoctrination as they are losing students. It's basically becoming a giant money laundering operation if it hasn't already been one since the beginning of time. But now this is being exposed more and more. And this is just, this is just the landscape. This is what's happening. There, there's, uh, there's nothing else to really state. Vanderbilt, of course, is 
and has been always corrupt. The Vanderbilt family is deep, deep, deep state Illuminati. Um, that's rather well known. Don't ask them what goes on in the old basement of the Biltmore. Don't ask them what goes on in the, in the shower room of the Biltmore. They're child sacrifices that go on there. There were anyway. I mean, these are, these are Satanists. Vanderbilt is a satanic university. I got, a, I got a great education at Vanderbilt. Did you? Did you? If you knew what we knew and what the general public knows about the Vanderbilt family, you'd tear up your diploma if you had one. You'd stop going there and stop working there if you knew what took place. They're tied into the Clintons. It's Anderson Cooper's family. Does Anderson Cooper seem like a clean guy? Again, that's why these universities, these ones in particular, are the hubs for all of this degeneracy and all of this money laundering. And again, firing a bunch of professors and then hiring more administrators. This is what they mean when they say the administrative state. They're protecting themselves at the expense of the individuals who are there who believe that they're actually gaining something from all of this. Again, it says here, DEI commitment includes a recent $17 million faculty initiative, identity centers, quote-unquote, and more. This, this entire DEI, let's get rid of white people and introduce everybody to sexual perversion and genital mutilation and normalize insanity, all of this is one of the largest money laundering operations that's ever existed. The RICO statute should bring this down because there are people in organizations following through with this. I'm telling you, Donald Trump, if he makes his way back and the military actually does anything, they're going to have their hands full. But the American people, again, they, they hold so much power they don't even know. If they just walked away and stopped going, it's like income tax. <laughs> If everybody just stopped paying income tax, they can't arrest everyone. They won't arrest anybody. Imagine that. Imagine that one for a minute, too. And I know everybody has, and, we, and this has been spoken about by endless people, but imagine that one also. Imagine what Congress and the Senate would do. They would flip out. They'd flip out. And then they come to collect at your front door? What are you going to do then? Are you going to go to jail? No. You'd fight government just like I would. You'd take them down at your front doorstep just like I would. That's exactly what would happen. But it would make the most criminal at the top who are running this entire racket, it would make them cease to exist. But the brainwashing's thick. It's real thick. Okay. Jab stuff. I got a bunch. This might be a two-hour episode. First of all, I received this from Kim Carter, and uh, she received this, I believe, from a former co-worker of hers, if memory serves. And let me read through this particular text thread. It's rather interesting. It says the following. It says, my friend, neurosurgeon, said, there is a viral variant that is looping around and is wreaking havoc, particularly on the GI and respiratory system. From what is evident so far, this variant has a stronger incubation period, so this means a person can be contagious without knowing it. 
I do not know what hospital she is working it two hours from me. And then Kim responded and said, it's not contagious. It's a secondary infection just like AIDS. It's not in the unvaxxed. They responded and said, this is why only I do my get sick at work. Everyone already was sick twice. Okay, and they said, and Kim said yes. And then she also said, Kim did, it's going to get ugly, lots of people dying this year. Everyone who got vaxxed is expected to pass between now and next year. I don't think that's, I don't think that's likely to happen. Here's what I do think, though. Again, I've brought up the analogy of a punching bag. You can only get sick so often, so frequently, before your, your system starts to shut down. Again, shortening lifespan is certainly one of the things that's taking place, and I think likely to take place with all of the jabbed. In fact, uh, Peter McCullough, of all people, was, was, um, was testifying in front of Marjorie Taylor Greene in a small session the other day, and Brian Cole was sitting next to him, and he openly did state, that if you received two jabs, you got the real deal. That there's no doubt about that. That if, that if you got two shots, you definitely received the mRNA cocktail, as it were. So, you know, placebo's out the door. Sorry, Ryan Cole. You didn't get mush, as he, as he famously once said. So, you're okay, you just got mush. No, I don't think so. Because the guy sitting next to you in that meeting just contradicted your previous comments. So, you got the real deal. Either way, this uh, text thread continues, and her friend here says, She called me a couple of days ago and said that the doctor had a meeting. Doctors, plural, had a meeting. They were told that there are many cases of new COVID in hospital overflowing with sick people and personal getting sick, too. The cardio, respiratory departments, and intensive care units are overflowing. They did say that if you get sick, as an employee, I assume, a military doctor will take over your position and replace you at the hospital. They are ready to replace you if something happened. And then they, uh, they ended up asking, it's going to get, or she, Kim said, it's going to get ugly, lots of people dying this year, everyone who got vaxxed, whatever. And then, again, the, the former employee, I assume, re replied back, you mean multiple shots? And they said yes. And uh, Kim specifically, I'm sorry, I'm opening up all these windows as I'm reading this. Uh, she said, not just multiple, even those with only one jab are not expected to live past five years. And this is a hard pill for, <laughs> this is a hard one for people to swallow. I fully understand. but again. The people who are jabbed who are seemingly healthy, this is the undiagnosed part of, of the damaging portion of the DNA that is hard for people to understand. Again, that's what, quote-unquote, again, it, it didn't exist, HIV was. It was introduced through vaccination. It was introduced through shots. Flu shots, hepatitis B shots back in the day. The dormant aspect of this is critical. That's important because this is coming out more and more. Even Deborah Burks is saying it, and I'll play her audio in a minute. Even she said it, that we have to treat this like HIV. Well, why is that? Because your, your DNA is damaged now from the shots. 
So how it reacts in everybody is going to be different. That's why you're seeing all of the cancers. That's why you're seeing the neurological disorders. Because we're talking about snake venom. We're talking about a neurological poison that permanently is designed to damage DNA. This is intentional. This was a giant intentional. Uh, then the individual responding to Kim said this. They state that uh, a doctor, who will remain unnamed, uh, came for a CPR class and took two together, COVID and flu. And then they asked why, and they stated, this doctor stated, that they believe government. And then Kim stated, how are they feeling? They responded back, he already was sick twice after that, sick like a dog, but of course he will not tell that. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have to. We know. Kim responded then and said, uh, and everything I said during class is burning a hole in his brain, and he's scared to death. They responded back. He still believes in government. He said it's his sinuses. No. Nope, not sinuses, sweetheart. And then uh, Kim responded back and said, doesn't matter. He looks scared to death. He remembers. Because if you recall, Kim brought this uh, particular meeting up on the show where she warned all of them and said it was a biological weapon and it's designed to kill the people who take it. She said this in a meeting in her former place of employment. <laughs> That's awesome. Because again, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're telling people your house is on fire. And they're going, no, it isn't. And then they go home and their house is on fire. The individual responded back to Kim and said, quote, I offered him ivermectin and he said, no, thank you. I'm fine. And ate amoxicillin from his bin. Kim responded, it won't help. They responded back, I know. Kim said, it'll suppress the symptoms for a short time, but it will come back. His immune system is destroyed and probably has VADs. Yes, that's exactly why the people keep getting sick and keep coughing and they don't know why. Then they finally responded back to Kim and said, we have a bunch of cancellations because there are so many sick people. This is from a former this is from an employee of that hospital. You see what's happening here? I'm telling you what. If this is this is just one place. It's just one place. This is one location. The system's caving in by the hand of the system itself. Don't say the devil's not involved in this one. You can't say it. Can't say it's not a depopulation satanic plan. It doesn't get more satanic than this. Speaking of Satan, here's Deborah Burks herself. Give her a listen on Chris Cuomo's show. I also played this in a previous war video, so my apologies for repeating it. But it's at the end. The end is the kicker. What she says at the end is the kicker. She lies through her teeth regarding everything. And you tell about, I mean, you talk about a fairy tale spinner. This woman has got fairy tales for days. But listen to all the fairy tales and then listen to the dime she drops at the end. It's only about four or five minutes long. Give this a listen in three, two, one. Of course, that's former White House coronavirus response coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burks. Saw a lot of her, all that nonsense about her scarves when this country was in crisis. Shows you what we really try to focus on sometimes, right? Her name was in the news almost as much as Fauci. So now that she's out, what does she know and what can she discuss about long COVID? These comparisons being made to HIV. 
you look up Burks's background, she's done a lot of research in the area of HIV AIDS and what that means. Let's bring her in now. Senior fellow at the Bush Institute, adjunct professor at Texas Tech Health Sciences Center. That's just my tongue. It's not my long COVID. Doc, good to see you again. Good to see you, Chris. So uh, first up, long COVID, okay? I want to talk to you about that. But the idea that the CDC wasn't getting things right on your watch and you're worried about what they're doing now means what? Give some context to that headline. Well, it's really important that we understand what went wrong in that first entire year. And I think the number one thing was they weren't willing to really understand that COVID was a very different virus than flu. And you can't use 19th century symptomatic tracking of viruses when we have 21st century technology. And so we were late to testing, we were late to really talking about asymptomatic spread, and we were very late in recognizing the aerosol nature of this virus, which still lives with us today. And that's why it still spreads so easily indoor because it remains suspended. It was never flu. It will never be flu. So this leads people to say it was intentional, uh, that this was the government wanting the sickness to spread. Um, The vaccine was forced on us because it was good for big pharma. What do you make of those notions? Well, I was there and none of that happened. So I just want to make it clear on, no, the virus was not intentional. We, we, you could say we intentionally ignored it because we didn't act fast enough and we didn't test fast enough. I mean, we allowed all of the people to come in from all over the world just tracing symptoms. They clearly had asymptomatic disease and were spreading virus. And now we know So what are we doing now as solutions to fix the big gap that we found in our response? And I I fear we still haven't taken respiratory diseases and RNA viruses seriously enough as a country. Long COVID, your level of concern, your assessment of the notion that it's vaccine caused, and what you make of comparisons of long COVID to HIV AIDS that are now in the news. Great question, Chris. First, long COVID predates any of our COVID vaccines. Um, and this is one of the key areas that separates this virus from what we've known about other viruses. And I want to really emphasize to you and the public, we only have experience with this virus for four years, and we're learning something different every single month about what this virus is capable of doing, from what it's capable to do neurologically and neurologically in the long term, what it's capable to do to our mitochondria, and that's this muscle problem that we're seeing, what it's capable of doing with microclots. I mean, we're to pretend that we know everything that this virus is doing and to be cavalier about getting repetitive COVID infections is a really a huge mistake. I I am careful, I've had it once. Um, my 95-year-old mother's not had it at all because she's in a particularly vulnerable age group. There's a way to protect people with common sense strategies. Comparisons to HIV. You've done a ton of research in this. Uh, do you believe this is a false flag? Is there something that contextually uh, people need to understand about that comparison? Or is this much darker a potential reality than we knew? The reason 
the comparison to HIV is important is because HIV was also asymptomatic. I mean, you couldn't see the virus through symptoms because people were infected for seven, eight, nine years before they developed symptoms. But HIV quietly destroyed our immune system. And we learned a lot about immunology from HIV, and it's changed completely our cancer therapy. We're learning now about mitochondria and viral impact and brain fog and the changes in our neurons and the, the cells that nourish our neurons that really allow us to think and move. And we're learning that because what a long COVID has done. And so there's two sides of this coin every time. There's a lot of destruction that mild and moderate COVID can do that is on scene, just like HIV was destroying our immune system. But what came out of that is brilliant science that changed how we treated HIV. And if you're diagnosed today, you can live a, a very normal lifespan and people not only survive, but thrive. We need to get to the place where people with long COVID, we've done the research so that people with long COVID can not only survive, but thrive. Translation. She just said, if you have long COVID, which doesn't exist, which really means you have AIDS, then you have AIDS. She just confirmed it out of the devil's mouth herself because they can't help themselves. They have to justify this now. She just said, if you get sick after receiving the shots and keep getting sick, you have AIDS. Or HIV, as she put it. Hello? Why is no one screaming about this? Deborah Burks went on his show again and said, <laughs> You have AIDS. If you're consistently sick, it's AIDS. She never once said it was the shots, which is what she wants people to believe. She doesn't want you to believe it was the shots that's giving you AIDS. She uses the fairy tale that if you got sick with COVID, then you might have HIV now. And if there's a variant or a mutation which doesn't exist, it's just permanently damaged DNA, that that right there is why you are ill. That's not true. It's the shots. It's always been the shots. It's always, it will always be the shots. It's not something that's floating around in the air. I'm telling you. That's where this disease X bullshit comes from. That's where all of this is coming from now. Are you familiar with this disease X rollout nonsense? It's laughable. It's laughable. If they create a real biological weapon that can be inhaled by human beings, I, I, I bet they'll create one. What I also know, however, is that, as you do, is endless people are dropping over and getting sick constantly. Why not create a new fairy tale? Well, as it turns out, they've already run the script for this disease X, quote unquote, which was rehearsed, as it says here from the expose, as CLAD X, C L A D E. It says, We are about to see, are we about to see a new pandemic? It says, Disease X was, re was rehearsed as CLAD X. So here's what it says quote, We are hearing that UK scientists have begun developing vaccines as an insurance against a new pandemic caused by an unknown disease X. In the same way as COVID-19 was rehearsed at Event 201, it would seem that disease X was also rehearsed at CLAD X. 
Could it be that they are beginning to prepare for a new pandemic? And then it shows this research facility, which doesn't look very clean. Uh, preparing in advance. Again, it's also been hoped that the fa- uh, that the facility rather will help uh, the UK under- better understand and tackle disease X by enhancing preparedness for a yet-to-be-identified pathogen with pandemic potential. I'm telling you, the fairy tales that these people weave are absolutely incredible. They had a tabletop exercise just like Event 201. Uh, the purpose, according to the Center for the Health for Health Security, uh, more about Clad X, a day-long pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated a series of National Security Council convened meetings. It's exhausting, ladies and gentlemen. These people know exactly what they're doing. They fully understand that they have all of this in place. I've read the paperwork on the show. The documents are on my website. They're all there. They want to run something like this again because it's an election year. They're about to hang for something. They're panicking. This is a good thing. This disease X thing is, is a good thing. Again, if they shut things down for, for another so-called illness, that's going to wreak havoc on the people who are already jabbed because they're going to be locked inside. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to be going out. And given the fact that it's ice cold outside in most states across the United States any, anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, now would be a perfect time to do it, wouldn't it? Because again, they did it in springtime last time, and they did it in the summer last time. And again, it's too bad that people followed along with with those lockdown parameters and lockdown guidelines. Most of us didn't, because most of us don't have our heads in our asses. But either way, if they do it when it's cold out, being cooped up inside, all layered up, while it's too cold to go outside, the jabbed are going to be the ones that are going to pay the price on this, and then. They're going to be the ones clamoring for this shot to take another shot. So these people are swinging for the fences. Is my is my whole my whole point here? They know that we know about what they know about what we know, and so on and so on. Again, the the Clad X exercise is on YouTube. You can watch this yourself. There's at least four segments of this. And then, it, of course, at the bottom of this expose article, it says, not a real virus again. Yeah, it's completely contrived. Again, it doesn't matter that it was a mock trial. The mock trial has to do with the administrative state. It has to do with what they want us to do and what they're going to do to us based on shutting things down. I'm telling you what, they shut things down again. It's going to get real interesting. I'm just going to leave it at that for now. It's going to it's going to get real flipping interesting. But if you want to look this up on YouTube, it's on the Center for Health Security's channel on YouTube titled Clad X Pandemic Exercise and it looks like there's at least four segments. This could be worth watching just to see what kind of uh, you know, global global take they they plan on rolling out here. What we know is that Gullible doctor's offices and hospitals will follow along with anything. That's why you have to stock up on your meds and stay as far away from these places as humanly possible. And by the way, if they do this again and you are still working in those environments, you need to leave the moment that these emails and memos start going out. Because if you don't and you participate, you're going to be responsible for the deaths of copious amounts of people. 
And if you're jabbed and you participate and you continue to jab yourself, well, sayonara. Because you're not going to make it. Because ultimately, I think that this is what this is about. I think this is about wiping out those who aren't wiped out yet. This is about the, the, the proverbial tipping point and just, just pushing them just off the, off the ledge. They're already on the ledge because they're already jabbed, but this is about pushing them over now. And then you talk about a collapsing system. Holy hell. Watch out. Now, with that said, uh, Sasha Latipova, who I know some people have called her out as being potentially controlled opposition. I have no proof of that thus far. But anyway, her substack uh, is titled Due Diligence and Art. And she put this out. I'm just going to read the title and the headline here. You can take it for what you want. Again, it's more of the WHO nonsense, but it's titled We Have a Pandemic of Marburg and Ebola Lasting to at Least. December 31st, 2018. The subtitle is, There's a potential for a trillion new viruses to emerge and mutate. Ask your friendly CDC representative for directions to the nearest quarantine camp, a hum, wellness facility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is part of the script. She's she's being sarcastic, of course, but, but this is part of the script, and it's in their paperwork. They write about this consistently, and she highlights that in the Substack article that you know, here it is. Here's their paperwork. Here's where they say it. We need to have an effective time period to act quickly so that we can help as many people as possible. And I know numerous people have brought it up, I'm sure Alex Jones has too, that they didn't build these quarantine camps for fun the first time around. I mean, they exist in our own country too. They exist lots of places. They want to use them. They want to use these. And we haven't seen them fully roll them out to the point where people are packed in them like sardines. I'm, I'm certain that's coming down the line at some point. It's a card that they haven't fully played yet. They've waved it in front of everybody so that we can see it. And we, again, I, I remember all of those. People escaping the hotels in Ireland because they were quarantine camps. And they're like, we got to break out of here. I mean, it's like, it's movie stuff. It's like breaking out of prison. But it's a hotel. It's a holiday inn. And they're forced to stay there. Same thing with Canada. Same exact thing. Which, by the way, I found this uh, the other day on, on the old interwebs. Uh, apparently, they're saying that it's insensitive and potentially illegal in Canada if you take your ring camera footage of your package being stolen on your front stoop and put it on the internet. That you could potentially be engaging in a crime of identity theft uh, because you're outing the criminal. Well, no. Is it a black person? Is, is that the person stealing your Amazon package on your front, on your front doorstep and, and they want to be sensitive to the, you know, to the individuals who are actually engaging in the crime? Ridiculous. Anyway, sorry. I digress. Back to uh, Disease X real quick. This was making the rounds the other day, too. This is from the BBC themselves. Give this a listen. Here's their little report on old Disease X in 321. The British government has unveiled a new vaccine research facility where scientists are working to prevent future pandemics. Located at Porton Down, a high-security research facility best known for its work on chemical warfare, experts are preparing for what is known as Disease X, or the next pandemic virus. Our health correspondent Dominic Hughes was given rare The delicate task of protecting the nation's health. 
This is one of the laboratories at Porton Down where scientists are analysing current threats, new variants of COVID, for example, trying to identify new ones. Inside these purpose-built labs, more than 200 scientists working for the UK Health Security Agency are helping to develop and test vaccines against a range of diseases. It's vital work to keep us all safe. We've got in many respects the toughest um, job in the world, which is to protect health against infectious diseases and environmental hazards. And it is tough because we know that, that the risks of new and emerging infections, including those of pandemic potential, is increasing. For decades, scientists at Porton Down have been involved in medical research, as well as the work on chemical and biological warfare, for which the centre is perhaps better known. During the pandemic, laboratories like this one played an absolutely vital role in assessing how effective the vaccines were in combating the coronavirus. And that work continues today. But as well as monitoring how effective existing vaccines are against new COVID variants, the new Vaccine Development and Evaluation Centre is looking at emerging threats for which no vaccine yet exists. One of those is Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever, a virus that is spread by the bite of an infected tick and is fatal in about 30% of cases. A serious outbreak occurred in Afghanistan in 2017, but the disease is widespread across Africa, Asia, the Middle East and the Balkans. Changes to climate and the way we live mean viruses like this one could find a way to the UK. But equally, the next pandemic could be caused by a virus that has yet to be identified, what experts call disease X. Dangers known and unknown. These scientists will be working to make sure we're prepared for both. Dominic Hughes, BBC News, Horton Down. On that very issue of disease X, I've been speaking to Professor Dame Jenny Harries. She's the chief executive of the UK Health Security Agency. I asked her how scientists prepare for a threat and they don't know what that threat is. So that is the challenge which I think you heard our Chief Scientific Officer, Professor Isabel Oliver, describe. Um, but there are a number of steps that we can take. We can be better prepared in terms of surveillance, and we're doing that work separately. Uh, but what we do in the UKHSA labs at Porton Down, which is separate, I might say, from the Ministry of Defence uh, facilities for chemical warfare, is get ourselves ready both to uh, isolate new pathogens uh, to develop assays so that we can test them accurately and to work with other partners, with academics and with um, pharmaceutical companies uh, to test out prototypes for vaccines um, and then be ready to evaluate them. And the really exciting thing about uh, the legacy from the pandemic is we now have 2,800 square metres of uh, laboratory space we didn't have before and we're using that as part of our new strategy uh, to ensure we're as best prepared as we can be for, for new pathogens and some existing ones. What would you say is the most important lesson that was learned from the pandemic? So I think uh, I was going to say partnership was the immediate work that comes to mind. And that's um, uh, obviously we see that when we uh, work with our directors of public health, for example, in responding to all sorts of infectious disease and uh, chemical and radiological incidents. But actually it applies very much to working with industry as well. Uh, the Vaccine Task Force was the group which originally supported this uh, investment in laboratory space at Porton Down at the UKHSA uh, site there. Um, and it is that continuing work which we are planning to continue going forward so that we are ready working together 
as soon as a pathogen appears and actually obviously beforehand. So we're prepping as fast as we can. There is that target of being able to deploy hopefully a vaccine within 100 days of the threat being identified. How close are you to that particular target to making that realistic? So that is an ambition. So to get from an identified uh, pathogen to uh, a vaccine and and to therapeutic within 100 days, I mean, to put it in context, that's about uh, a third of the time uh, that it took us to get uh, a COVID vaccine uh, into people's arms. And that was an outstanding record. Usually it takes about five to 10 years for a new vaccine to, to come through. So it is a really challenging ambition and it won't work all viruses and bacteria. Some are different shapes, some are more difficult to incorporate quickly. But I do think it is possible for many. And the audio ends there. They're openly admitting again what they're doing. They're making poison. They're making a biological weapon under the fairy tale lie of trying to be preventative for something that doesn't exist. That's all. It's poison. That simple. Okay. I want to mention this too. This was interesting. Our Michigan business friend got snowed on the other day as it's snowing here in the Midwest, and uh, they decided to take a snowball. And they took a snowball and they put it in a couple of glasses and they attempted to have it melt, and it took forever for them to have it melt, so they said, including putting a space heater close by. Took a while for it to melt, finally did. And then they used a reverse osmosis machine to separate the goo that is the water, quote-unquote. There's arsenic in this. I put these pictures out on my Gab page. You got to check this out. It looks like a, uh, an espresso. It looks like she just got done making an espresso. It really is weird. And again, the whole chart is there on my Gab page. It's at the very least arsenic. There's aluminum in it, I'm sure, and a, and, a, and a bunch of other things, but it separates and it looks gross. Black stuff in it, brown stuff in it, yellow stuff in it, green stuff in it, blurry, cloudy stuff in it. Super disgusting. Anywho, give that a try if you want. Give it a try. Again, good luck trying to melt a snowball. It hardly even drips when you, when you melt it. It just turns black. Is a snowball supposed to do that? I don't think so. Anyway, okay. There's this. A few more jab, uh, two more jab stories, and then I'm going to hit the road here. Uh, the vaccine reaction, vaccinereaction.org, evidence of alarming growth in cognitive impairment among adults. Yep. It says, according to research conducted in the Netherlands by the Network for Health Research in Disasters, GORE Network, G O R, a significant number of adults are increasingly grappling with unexplained memory and concentration problems. You know, like Deborah Burke said, it's just brain fog. Don't worry, it's just HIV, and people live long, healthy lives with HIV. She openly admitted it. Remember that. The findings show an alarming 24% spike in doctor visits related to cognitive impairment issues among people 25 years and older during the first quarter of 2023 compared to the same period in 2020. It says typically older adults, age 75 or older, are most likely to report cognitive symptoms to a doctor. While all age groups contributed to a spike in visits for memory and concentration issues, the most concerning surges were among adults aged 45 to 75, 40%, 
of them, of course, that's the 40% range. And then younger adults aged 24 to 44 years, which made up 31%. Only one age group consisting of individuals 25 years old and under saw no notable increase, so they say. And then, of course, what does it say here? Lockdowns likely accelerated cognitive decline in older adults. Long post-COVID vaccination syndrome resembles long-haul COVID. Study suggests memory impairments following COVID vaccination. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Long COVID memory issues driving disability numbers in the workforce. I I hate to be repetitive on this, but... For, for history's sake and for instructional sake, I'll end with this. I hate to sound like Lyndon Johnson or uh, whoever the hell it was. It was either him or Richard Nixon, you know, talking about Vietnam. It's going to get worse before it gets better. This is warfare and it's murder. What we are experiencing is warfare the likes of which we've never experienced. And this is a level of murder that we've never experienced. It is going to get worse before it gets better. But we have to pay attention to these kinds of moves that they're making because, again, they script this stuff. Because that's what murderers do. They always script it. In this case, of course, they're scripting it under the guise of trying to be preventative and we're trying to help you and don't worry. Even if you have AIDS, you can live a long and happy life. I can't wait for the people to find out who have been jabbed that they have AIDS. That's the kicker here. Wait for that to hit the old Fox News circuit. How long is that one going to take? I'm telling you what, 2024 is jacked up. It's already jacked up. And the enemy isn't taking their foot off the pedal, which means neither should we. But in the middle of all of this, I still think we have a responsibility also to call out the so-called awake and, and their messaging, and their terminology. Again, you've heard me criticize Peter McCullough numerous times regarding all of the variant nonsense. There's no such thing. There's no such thing, because if that were true, then that means that he believes Deborah Burks when it comes to variants. And we need to trust the science, and the science is still figuring it out, and we're still figuring it out. No, the jury's in. No viruses, only poison. That's what hurts people. That's what's going on here. So there you have it. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of stuff there, I know. But it's war, and it's murder, and, well, that's the way it goes. Okay. With all of that said, I will link in the description below something that I think is rather interesting. Uh, Nice little website I came across the other day. Make sure and check it out. Again, I will link it in the description below. But you can get all kinds of awesome history books on this particular website that you're not going to find on Amazon. And there's all kinds of documentaries on there, including Europa the Last Battle on DVD and Blu-ray, if you're interested in checking that out also. Uh, Yeah, super cool website. Bounce over there and check it out. It is specifically titled MoneyTreePublishing.com. So there you have it. Again, I will link it in the description below, and you can bounce over there and, and check it out. I'm not affiliated with them, of course, in any, in any capacity, but uh, it's still cool. Okay. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening again. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. 
Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.